you guys you guys ready oh and by the way it is 100 percent definitely recording right now Welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode number 96, and with me, as always, my two annoyed co-hosts. First off, we have Jess Duggs. Is this is this 96 part two? It's kinda. Uh, we also have Brian Brilliman. Hello, hello. I loved this episode so much, we just had to do it again. Yes. So, uh, we recorded this episode two days ago. Uh, this is our M15 FAQ episode. And that's not to say two days before it was released, this no. was recorded. No, 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 no. <laughs> we recorded two the days, entire thing. I guess. The, yes. Except, except we did. Yeah, it's I, it's time machine. I guess the word "record" is not the correct thing to say. We nope. discussed amongst ourselves privately, apparently, for an hour and a half. <laughs> This it's just a conversation. We pretended, we pretended we had an audience. Yeah. That's how narcissistic we are. Uh, well, that's kind of what we do anyway. We just play radio. <laughs> so. Well, Brian has the face for it. No, oh. <laughs> I don't disagree with that. Uh. And I have... <laughs> And I have the voice for silent films. <laughs> uh, anyway. You gonna make an old joke? No, you just made it. Yeah, you started something. You just... Okay. Uh, <laughs> so the point is, we may be a little more rushed on this episode. I don't know if it's in our hearts to go quite as in-depth as we did last time. But we're still... We're gonna record it again for you guys, because we love you all and we hate ourselves. To be fair, we didn't actually go that in-depth the first time. It is a corset. There weren't that many things to go in depth with that's true there aren't that many cards uh so just like so so you're not missing out too much no i, I thought it was a pretty good episode yeah i mean i mean we don't really know what we're talking about it wasn't a good episode you guys can just skip over this one too <laughs> all i'm saying is this one won't be as good i can guarantee it even though we've rehearsed now you guarantee that it won't <laughs> be as good that's a, that's a strong sell right there mr schrader all right well we should before we get started we should mention that in the last time we recorded this there's no proof of this but jess dunks slipped up and said bear cub and it is lost forever that's yeah but see, see, so the thing is the thing is it's because i knew we weren't recording yeah just trolling because <laughs> it doesn't count <laughs> if it's not recorded i mean you'll say it outside the podcast it's just Oh, so sad. All right, so M15, FAQ show. Um, we're not going to be touching on reprints, uh, except for one, actually, because for the most part, those have been covered in a previous episode, or in general, they just weren't that interesting. So we're only going to be touching on new cards. Uh, it's also worth noting that M15 has 15 cards that are legal and standard, but do not show up in any booster packs. Uh, they're in the intro decks that are given to new players, and they're in the deck builder's toolkit. Uh, they're numbered 270 to 284, even though the top number is 269. So if someone out there is playing with a nightmare and you're like, I haven't opened that in a booster pack, is that legal? Yes, it in fact is yeah. legal. I don't know. So this, is, so this is important for people doing deck checks, you know, events with deck lists. Right. Uh, because you're going to sit there and you're going to be like, Sarah Angel, what? Yeah. That's not in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. Mahatma Jin. Mahatma Jin. Out of nowhere. <laughs> what, are, what are some of the other? Do we know what some of the other ones are? Uh, this, I, there is a list of them online. I just cancel. Cancel? But Great. I think cancel is in Theros block, so it's okay. Uh, there is. No, no, no. Cancel, cancel wasn't in Theros block, was it? Because we had. Uh... Oh, we had the Scry one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good point. Hmm. Pretty sure cancel was the last corset. Well, that's interesting. Cancel confirmed for cons of Tarkir. I wouldn't call that confirmed. Oh, wait, don't we have that? Uh, in M15, we have the new, um, the cancel draw card, I think it is. So it's just, we have some flavor of strictly better cancel. So I think we're fine without cancel for a little bit. I think it costs one more, right? It's two blue, blue. Oh, does it? I think. Well, anyway. <laughs> well, now I'm going to have to look in the 15 cards All and right. go find it. You look it up. In the meantime, I'm going to talk about Convoke. Convoke is our returning mechanic for M15. <laughs> If you're not familiar with Convoke, that's good. But if you are familiar with Convoke, the rules changed for it in M14. So don't try to apply what you thought, how you thought it worked with how it works now. Um, actually, the reminder text does a pretty good job of explaining how it works. But in case you don't know, uh, Convoke will let you tap your creatures and say, instead of paying for uh, mana for a spell. So it basically lets you tap a creature instead of paying an individual mana symbol in a spell if the creature shares a color with that mana symbol or paying a colorless. 
In that case, you don't have to share any colors, of course. So as an example, I used that tripped Jess up, but won't work this time. If I have a Convoke Bear Cub, crush one in a green, and I have two regular Bear Cubs, I can cast Convoke Bear Cub for free, tapping each com uh, regular Bear Cub for the Convoke Bear Cub. I don't have to pay any mana now. Now, the reason that tripped me up before is because I was so focused <laughs> on trying to figure out whether or not I would actually play that spell in a deck. <laughs> Kind of like a that that little frog with affinity, isn't it? It's kind of the same thing, right? Frog bite. Yeah. Frog bite. Yeah. Frog mite cub. So, yeah, except it costs two less. Right. It's much better than frog bite. See. So so this this is so the change that they made it used to it used to be that convoke was a fun and I say fun fun type of rulesy questiony thing where you would talk about costs being locked in and choosing you know when you choose how many creatures you're going to convoke and it being a cost reduction and now it's just like the like the reminder text says your creatures can help cast this spell so nice it's it is it's it's kind of like you're sitting there cooking and like one of your creatures just kind of comes up behind you and he's like what you doing like i'm cooking something he's like can i help yeah sure here stir for a little bit well, i go over here and, and put baked potatoes in the oven i don't know uh, i'm kind of you would think that having run through this <laughs> yeah you've done that joke yeah, I was gonna say, CJ, CJ, I, I, is it just me or was that joke funnier the first time it was it, it was, was. It was a glory seeker the first time i do remember that it was, was a glory, it glory seeker that came it was a glory you. seeker and you were casting a spell the yeah. glory seeker was like hey what, what what you doing? Casting a spell. <laughs> oh, really? Can I help? Well, I, can I, oh, can I was, do that? Yeah, yeah. Just, just lean really far one direction to the left. <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, wow, it oh, was it was. That was the joke. The first time. It was. Anyway. Well, I tried to shut up. <laughs> so, yes. Convoke no longer is an alternate cost or an additional cost. It's not a cost reduction. It's nothing like that. It's just something you can do instead of paying mana for a spell. So, we're in the final step of casting a spell where you get to pay mana and pay all costs. Instead of paying mana, you can just tap a creature. Uh, because this tapping is not using the, the uh, tap symbol, then it's not affected by summoning sickness so you can play two fresh bear cubs and use them to cast convoke bear cub uh, along with the convoke cub. Convoke, convoke cub along with um the steps of casting a spell if you remember if a spell has x in it you decide x way early on then you can use your convoke uh or if the spell with x has convoked you can use your creatures to help pay for that and if you have something like an elvish mystic land or elves Findhorn elves not wall of roots uh you cannot <laughs> use it to uh double dip and try to get mana out of it twice because your opportunity to activate mana abilities is uh, before you're actually paying the cost. So either you're going to tap it when you activate mana abilities or you're going to tap it when you're paying costs, but you won't be able to do it both. And that's it. That's Convoke in a nutshell. Help, it's so, me trapped it's, in a nutshell. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Uh, as complicated as, as CJ's kind of making it sound, which is really not, but but uh, all those steps you just went through, if you played with Convoke before, it really does play pretty much the same way. The, the change to the rules is not functionally different like 98% of the time. There's a very small chance that you'll run into something maybe playing modern where it becomes relevant, but in the core set, it's probably not going to change. Yeah, and that's true. And I but and I feel like, actually, I, I, I kind of like the change from M14 because Convoke used to be... I don't know, a little complex as far as judge questions went. And now it's just, it's so easy. It seems to me, I'm going to have to go back and listen to that release notes episode from M14 because it seems to me one of us, I think about it with Brian, called it when when they were like, oh, they changed the rules to convoke. We were like, why would they do that? It's like, ah, convoke's going to be in the next course set. I... <sighs> Oh, that I mean, it seems so obvious now, but they they changed uh, like conspire at the same time, didn't they? No, they changed delve. Delve because it worked the same way. Okay, yeah, yeah. it did, does the exact same thing as 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 convoke essentially. Look, man, they they when they do stuff, all right. You look at you look at uh, the the changes that they made to the mist trigger policy, okay, and then you look at uh, uh, what's in Theros, and it, they go they went trigger crazy in Theros. So it's yeah. like they they knew that triggers were coming um months before those force of wills went out uh emails went out you know it's like hey guys please update please go make sure your uh information in uh the wizard system is up to date as far as your addresses go you know why would they do that so there there's there's method to their madness a lot of times you know stuff happens yeah. months and years down the road and we just can't see it so and I, I, the real change for that rule mostly came from 
uh, th- there was a loophole that let you tap too many creatures for no apparent reason. Yeah. There, there, where where if, a, if a spell cost two, you could tap eight creatures to cast it if you wanted to. Yeah, because it, it was a cost reduction at that point. Right. So. And, you can, and the same thing worked with Delve. And it's more relevant with Delve. But the same thing worked with Delve and no longer works. So, Brian, are you guaranteeing 100% Delve will be in cons of Tarkir? 100%. 99. I don't think it will. No, I'm going to give myself a little bit of wiggle room. Yeah, no, no I, don't, I think it will not. I'm going to go 99.9% yeah. the other direction. Yeah, that way, no. one of us, probably Brian, oh. will be uh, will, will be wrong. Right. Like 0.1% right. <laughs> if we if we if we always take the opposite viewpoints on everything, we can always claim that Judge Cast was right. That's true. Yes. Yes. So, so I'm whatever gonna, it is, I'm going to say cons of Tarkir foil tokens. Ooh. Uh, so now no. you say no. <laughs> and now whichever way it goes, I'm gonna say vehemently, obviously. All right, all right. <laughs> we spent longer right, on that than gonna, last that, time. That, that was that was a tent. That, okay, so uh, so what's next? Who's who's base, up? Base power, base and power and toughness. Okay, so they got a new template here on a few cards where they refer to base power and toughness. I was really surprised when they dropped this one. Yes. Oh, and I'm going to buy all of the cards. I'm going to buy all of them and give them to, to the three of us so all our base are belong to us. Yeah, your last joke was better again. Keep I know. going. What, what, what was my last joke? Somebody, they, they dropped the dropped base. Dropped the base. They beat you to it. Yeah. the joke. Anyway, jeez. So anyway, it's a new t- it's a new template. It's it's layer seven B, which is power and toughness setting. Okay, it's it's just a new word for the same rules. And what they what they found is okay when you're explaining things with to people, it's like okay, this creature is now a two. It's been set to a two two, or or it's a let's say it's a two two, and giant growth gets cast. So now it's a five five, and then something happens to make it a one one. The question was, well, is it a one one? Is it a, a, a four four? What is it? And you go, no, no, no. When you change it to a one one, you're you're just changing its base power and toughness. I mean, I've explained it that way in the past for years, and then the 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 giant growth, the plus three plus three, sits on top of it, and everyone's like, oh, it makes sense now. And yep. so they just added that bit of clarification. It it it's kind of one of these things that helps newer players understand what's going on at no cost to the enfranchised players that word enfranchised it's yes. uh yeah it's layer 7b for base that's that's base. why they chose that's why they chose the the, the word base oh. clearly if it, was, if it was layer 7c then it would actually i don't have a joke for that i don't all right well uh most cards that set power and toughness will probably use as base templating but they did say in the faq that some cards will not but whether it says base power and toughness or not it works the exact same it doesn't we matter we talked about we talked about was it uh nissa, nissa. we'll talk about nissa. nissa yeah nissa doesn't do it because she doesn't have enough <laughs> yeah that's our best guess <laughs> all right all right are we ready to move on to the first card yeah so we picked a bunch of cards to go through they're not all the cards in the release notes so if you want a more thorough look, you can look at the release notes. So we picked everything we think is interesting, basically. Um, and this first card is called Acton Impulse. And it is one of my favorite new cards. I'm very excited about it. It's a sorcery. It costs two and a red. And uh, it references Chandra's goggles, which don't make sense to me. And, and now make more sense. <laughs> um, it says, exile the top three cards of your library. Until end of turn, you may play cards exiled this way. Uh, those cards are exiled face up. The, you can play those cards just like normal. You have to follow the same timing restrictions. And uh, you have to pay mana for them as appropriate. Now, if you're playing this in modern, they're probably playing it in storm, which leads to an interesting question. If I have like a Goblin Electromancer or something in play, obviously Act on Impulse is cheaper, but are the cards that I'm playing from Exile cheaper? And yes, yes, they also are. Uh, but if you choose not to play any of those cards, like you can't afford to play them or it would be somehow bad for you, they just stay Exile. Oh, and if it's a land, you have to do it when you can play a land drop. Yes. Yeah, so if you've already played a land, you can't do it. Yeah, exactly. All right, Broodkeeper. Oh, she's holding a dragon egg. You act surprised. Broodkeeper? Like you didn't make the same realization two nights ago. I didn't. This is new. Oh, is he it? Actually, he actually didn't. No, yeah. it was you who pointed out that it was a dragon whelp in the first place, but I, I did not make that realization. Furnace dragon. Dragon whelps are too Sorry. Sorry. I know. Flavor guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, Broodkeeper. 
She's a 2-3 creature. Whenever an aura becomes attached to Broodkeeper, put a 2-2 red dragon creature token when flying onto the battlefield. It has what is commonly referred to as fire breathing. It took longer to say commonly referred to as fire breathing than it did to actually just read the text. Uh, the only thing I want to mention about this is if you mind control this creature, what happens? So your opponent has a Broodkeeper and you're going to mind control it or use the new bestow guy that can mind control, whatever it means. Um, do you get the trigger? Do they get the trigger? What happens? And the fact of the matter is, you will get the trigger as the mind-controlling player. That's because the aura will enter the battlefield, It we will apply any continuous effects, which is the control effect, and then we will look back in time just a little bit to see if any triggers should have triggered in that situation, and we say, and this trigger is whenever an aura becomes attached to Broodkeeper. That happened, you control the Broodkeeper, it triggers, it's your trigger, you get the 2-2 dragon. Alright. Alright. This is... <laughs> so, it's, uh, still, it's still the same thing. The theme is, oh. we, we set up... We set it up to uh, screw over Brian a couple of times. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, so this is a card called the Chain Veil, oh. the card that the card that launched a thousand uh, Reddit threads uh, <laughs> and Twitter posts. Uh, the card that hopefully teaches all judges when you see a phrasing on a card that looks a little weird. Wait for the FAQ. Please. Please. Yeah. Okay. The Chain Veil for four mana. It's a legendary artifact, mythic rare. At the beginning of your end step, if you didn't activate the loyalty ability of a Planeswalker this turn, you lose two life. Okay. That does not mean that you have to activate the loyalty ability of each Planeswalker you control. Just any old Planeswalker got it activated it once did you do a loyalty ability great um if um uh, if you control a planeswalker and ultimate it and then play chain veil ultimate it and it and it goes to the graveyard because you use the last counter on it that counts so chain veil does not have to be in play when uh you activated the loyalty ability okay <clears throat> Uh, the second ability of the Chain Veil is four tap. Um, each For each Planeswalker you control, you may activate one of its loyalty abilities once this turn, as though none of its loyalty abilities have been activated this turn. That's a lot of words. And really what that means is, yes, your stupid three-card combo <laughs> works. Uh, okay. Sure does. So, yes. So um, each time you activate the Chain Veil, okay, there's so there's a rule that says, hey, you can only activate the, plane, the, the loyalty abilities of a planeswalker once a turn or once during your you know once a turn and the chain veil basically gives you a hey, you can do it one more time and each time you activate it or copy its ability or something like that you get another plus one to that so if somehow you're able to activate the chain veil twice you can activate any given planeswalker three times now you still have to pay for the loyalty abilities so it doesn't mean that you can just you just get it so you can just sit there and just spam ultimates. Okay, you still have to pay the costs. Um, let's see here. Also, the tap ability modifies the rules of the game. So whereas with the triggered ability, if I uh, that I mentioned, if you activate a planeswalker and then bring the chain veil, it still sees that it, you activated the the planeswalker ability to prevent the loss of life. For this one, if you activate it and then play a planeswalker. It actually, that one right there, even though it was not on the battlefield when the ability resolved, when the Chainville's ability resolves, it's still going to get the little plus one boost. Um, and then finally, uh, this does nothing to the rule that says that you can't activate Planeswalker abilities on your opponent's turn. So if you chain veil on your opponent's turn, uh, good job. <laughs> you, did, you just did nothing. Good job. Yeah, good job. Good job, guys. And again, last thing, just wait for the facts, guys. Please. Please. And don't get in. Don't get into Facebook arguments over how a card works that has like a weird wording that you've never seen before. And emphatically, this is the way it works. And no, it works this way. No, just wait back. I thought that's what you were supposed to do. Well, uh, if you want to make me laugh, I mean, it was very entertaining the day that this came out, just watching all of that stuff go on. But ultimately, it didn't do anything other than just make me smile. <laughs> oh, and when we recorded two nights ago, I thought I was all clever by pointing out that the chain veil kind of looked like an upside down planeswalker symbol because i was like oh that's that's so brilliant and then getting duel of the planeswalkers today they literally did that morph thing <laughs> where they started off with the planeswalker symbol and they just rotated upside down and turned the chain veil and they had a little scene and i was like oh gotcha yeah it's almost like they meant for you to notice it's it's <laughs> sort of like i don't feel so clever no more hmm. Hmm. speaking of stupid three card combos jess what's the next card the next card is 
It looks like it's pulled straight from Kamigawa. It's called Kirkesh Onaki Ancient. Yeah, I don't know what that is either. Be, because be clear, it's not from red, Kamigawa, red. it's from Shandalar. I mean, this thing is a legendary creature ogre spirit. It, it screams Kamigawa. Shandalar. Totally, totally Kamigawa. It's from Chandelar. No. They made the chain veil. Jess, Jess, if we keep saying it's from Kamigawa, it's really going to irritate CJ. Flavor Boy. Not really. <laughs> right. I never even heard the Onaki oh, before it, this. It needs, it needs like those little, it's missing those little spirit things that float around him yeah anyway so this uh creature has an ability it's a 4-3 legendary creature ogre spirit with some very strange looking art uh this is whenever you activate an ability of an artifact if it is not a mana ability you may pay red if you do copy that ability you may choose new targets for the copy uh, this is a good point to talk about what are and are not activated. So activated abilities are abilities that have a cost and then a colon next to the cost and then an effect. Uh, they, they, you can activate them anytime you have priority unless they specify otherwise. And that's the, those are the two main ways you know you have an activated ability instead of a triggered ability. Kurgesh's ability, interestingly, is actually a uh, is actually a triggered ability. This is whenever you activate an ability of an artifact. Which means two things. One is you can only pay this when that trigger condition is met. So whenever you activate an ability of an artifact, it's not a mana ability, you can do this. It also means because it triggers once, you only get to pay it once. So you can't copy stuff for as many times as you have red mana. Uh, just just only once. Um, and yes, this works with the chain veil, and you can you can double up on your planeswalker activations again that way. Yes, thank you, Chris Womack, for sending in that question. All right, the next card is Chasm Skulker, which for two in a blue is a one-one squid horror, <laughs> which is the best type of horror uh, you can have. I mean, this thing's very Cthulhu-esque. I really it wanted it to be an Eldrazi. But it's squid horror. I know, but it, I mean, it could pass. So an Eldrazi horror seems kind of redundant. Sure. What about Nightmare Horse? I like that. That's kind of like a horror. Well, isn't a nightmare uh, a creature itself? Is there a creature type nightmare? Yeah. Nightmare is a nightmare horse. Really? Yeah. That's very interesting. Well, I mean, I guess my goblins are goblin. My goblin tokens are goblins. So, okay. Sure. <laughs> okay. So Chasm Skulker, my squid horror, has two abilities. The first ability is whenever you draw a card, put a plus one, plus one counter on Chasm Skulker. And then when Chasm Skulker dies, put X, one, one, blue skull squid creature tokens with island walk onto the battlefield where x is the number of plus one plus one counters on chasm skulker i think i would have been happier if they were squid horrors but here we go so the first ability says whenever you draw a card put a plus one plus one counter on chasm skulker if for any reason you cast a spell that has you draw multiple cards chasm skulker will trigger once for each card you draw the reason for that is each card if you draw five cards that is actually treated as draw one card five times so uh if you sphinx's revelation for five chasm skulker is going to become a six six get five little tasty plus one plus one counters on them mm. that are really just little eggs egg pods for your squids later so so it's just refer to something as both an egg pod and tasty yes <laughs> hey man don't judge um, oh, it's too late for that. Yeah. All right. So here's the, here's the next little weird thing uh, that we talk about anytime modulars in a set or undying or anything like this. It's well, what happens if, let's say, I have my my uh, six six chasm skulker and it blocks or is blocked by a six six wither creature. Okay, that's gonna kill it. Uh, so I have my squid horror. It's got five plus one plus one counters on it. The wither damage is converted into minus one minus one counters on it so i i have when damage resolves i have five plus one plus one counters on it and six minus one minus one counters on it so its toughness is now zero um after damage has been dealt before a player gets priority we check these things called state-based actions uh plus one plus one counters and minus one minus one counters don't explode automatically they explode when state-based actions are checked which is when everything else is checked also so we're going to check to see all state-based actions we run through the list and you can go back and listen to episode 40-something, state-based action robots. Listen to all the state-based action. 
Um, and there are two state-based actions that apply here. One is the plus one, plus one counters and the minus one, minus one counters explode each other. And the second is a creature with a toughness of zero or less is just picked up and put into the graveyard. So those two state-based actions are going to happen at the exact same time, okay? And so what the game sees is, the game sees before state-based actions are checked, I have a Chasm Skulker with five plus one, plus one counters on it, six minus one, minus one counters on it, and alive and on the battlefield. And then after state-based actions are checked, it's in the graveyard, no counters on it at all. So triggers, uh, when something dies, it it looks as to what it was on the battlefield right before it died. And right before it died, it had five plus one, plus one counters on it. So you are going to get your baby squid tokens. With Island What's that? With Island Walk. With Island Walk. Sure that they have Island Walk, but the Skulker itself does not. Yeah, that's that's probably going to get some people. Yeah, I think so. All right, I get to talk about Slivers. Yeah. Yes. Which is which is why I did I went out of order so CJ could hoard all the slivers. Yes, sure. Uh, you wanted it. You were like they're mine. Yeah. I put my name around all of them. <laughs> so there's five uh, uncommon slivers in this set, and a mythic rare sliver and a sliver land. But I want to start off talking about constricting sliver. Who reads? Sliver creatures you control have. When this creature enters the battlefield, you may exile target creature and opponent controls until this creature leaves the battlefield. People may notice that as Banisher Priest. Uh, a few things to note. So say you have this sliver out and you play a muscle sliver, right? It's uh, That muscle sliver is going to gain the ability. The ability is going to trigger, obviously, and you can exile an opponent's creature. The source of that trigger is the muscle sliver, which is a green sliver. So you could use it to exile a protection from white creature, uh, even though the constricting sliver itself could not, could not exile a protection from white creature. Each sliver you control that has had this ability trigger and has exiled a creature is basically linked to that one creature. So if you uh, kill that sliver, it will kill. It will bring back that one creature that was exiled. It's not going to bring back everything. Uh, along the same lines, if you kill the constricting sliver and other slivers have exiled things, those cards will remain exiled. Uh, this is an effect with a duration. Uh, the duration is target. Uh, sorry, until this creature leaves the battlefield. And the duration is going to go on even though the uh, slivers have lost the ability that initially gave them the trigger. That doesn't matter. The duration has already started, so it's going to go on. If you play Constricting Sliver and in response to its trigger, you kill the Constricting Sliver, nothing will get exiled. That's because, uh, like I just said, it has a duration. And if the duration ends before it would begin, we just don't do it at all. Uh, so in that in this case, uh, the uh, this creature leaving the battlefield has already ended, so we will not exile the opponent's creature at all. I already talked about the sliver losing the ability. Oh yeah, the important part. This ability stacks. So if you have two constricting slivers out, and then you play a third sliver, and let's go with the muscle sliver again, you, that muscle sliver will have two individual triggers from the constricting sliver, and it will get to exile two separate permanents. And of course they would both, or two separate creatures. And they of course would both come back. And that leads us right into Diffusion Sliver, which reads, Whenever a sliver creature you control becomes the target of a spell or ability an opponent controls, counter that spell or ability unless its controller pays two. Same thing on this one. That ability stacks. So if you have two Diffusion Slivers out and someone targets one of your Diffusion Slivers, each one is going to trigger and your opponent's going to have to pay two and then pay two again in order to uh, not have their spell be countered. And there's a third, I don't remember the name of it, but it's Black Sliver and it has your opponent um, lose one life when it attacks. Those those stack as well and they are much more profitable to, to stack. Right. <coughs> Let's talk about the new Mythic Sliver. No. <laughs> Uh, Sliver Hive Lord. It costs one of each color. It's a 5-5 five, five and not a 7-7. Seven, seven. And it says, Sliver creatures you control have indestructible. All I want to mention about this and Slivers... That still sounds weird, it, by the way. It does sound a little have weird. indestructible. But, you know, it works. Uh, so slivers have a way of being removed from the battlefield like say say you have sliver hive lord out and you have constricting sliver out and your opponent plays a constricting sliver and exiles your sliver hive lord and let's also say before any of that happened your constricting sliver blocked a hill giant so it has three damage marked if all your slivers lose indestructible they still have damage marked on them and so if the sliver hive lord is exiled after the constricting sliver already took damage it will die because it no longer has indestructible state-based actions are checked and it's like hey here's a three three with 
3 damage on it, we're going to kill it. So indestructible does not prevent damage, it just prevents destruction effects, damage being one of them. Hey CJ, hey. I got a real head scratcher for you. Okay. Alright, let's say I have my sliver hive lord out, and what's what's your favorite random sliver? I just use muscle sliver like eight times. Okay, muscle sliver. <laughs> sure, CJ likes muscle sliver, obviously. So, uh, you've got your sliver hive lord out with your muscle sliver, and I attack my with my muscle sliver, and you block with, um, oh, I don't know, a 1-1 death touch. Okay. Okay. And then, after combat's over, sure, my 1-1 death touch died, and then uh, you kill my sliver hive lord. You give it minus, minus 6, minus 6 somehow. Okay. Sliver, yeah. Um, so is my, is my muscle sliver dead or not? Because it's still got that one point of death touch damage. Uh, your muscle sliver being a two, two because of its own ability will survive. It has one damage marked on it and the death touch rules, the uh, state based action that checks for death touch only checks to see since the last time state based actions were checked, did this creature take damage from something with death touch? And, uh, since when that happened, it was indestructible. It was like, okay, we're good. And any point on in the future, it, it doesn't really care. So being death touch is not it's not like a property of the damage. It's just it's just something that tells the state based uh, actions to check the last time it was dealt damage. Did that damage have death touch? Cool. 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 Giant scissors. <laughs> All right. So the next card is in soul artifact. This one got a lot of attention. We actually already talked about it a little bit earlier. It's fairly straightforward. It's an enchantment aura that says enchant artifact costs one and a blue. And the enchanted creature is a creature with base power and toughness five five in addition to its other types. Uh, so we already talked about base power and toughness, so I'm not going to cover that again. But what this does do is if, it, if you have an equipment that becomes a creature, it becomes unattached and can't attach to anything. Now, that doesn't mean you can't activate its attach ability or equipment ability. It just won't do anything when you do. Uh, and if it was already a creature, this sets its power toughness to 5-5 five, five, no matter what it already was. I guess we should mention if you played the artifact that turn, it'll still have it will have summoning sickness if you insult artifact it after that. I guess that's worth mentioning. Uh, yeah. So it will like if if you play say I play island island on turn three I play dark steel citadel and then insult artifact with dark steel citadel. Well, it can't attack now, unfortunately. Um, so was there anything else to discuss with that? No. Awesome. Which is why we gave you the next one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so Garrick Ape Predator, yeah. Brian would say. Yes. Get it, Magilla Gorilla, Grape Ape, King Kong. Apes of Wrath. Apes of Wrath. There we go. Apes of Wrath. Yes, like that. Optimus Primal. So here's what you need to know <laughs> about Garrick Apex Predator. It costs way too much mana, and you shouldn't be playing oh, it. That's what you need to know. Oh, I'm playing it every day. Oh, I'm playing it. Okay, if you don't play Commander, you shouldn't play this card. Uh, actually, it, it might see some sideboard play if there's like a Super Friends deck or something. But uh, anyway, so this card costs seven mana. Holy crap. Has four abilities. Plus one, destroy another target planeswalker. Plus one, put a 3-3 black beast creature token with death touch onto the battlefield. Boom! Minus three, destroy target creature. You gain life equal to its toughness. And minus eight, target opponent gets screwed. <laughs> More or less. True that. Wait, uh, just, was that four abilities? Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of abilities there. Isn't it? It is. It's, know, like right? one, it's like one more than normal. Yeah, so the last ability actually says that your opponent gets an emblem. Target opponent gets an emblem. That's right, you're giving an opponent an emblem. That's, uh, nice. That's nice of you. Yeah. Whatever a creature attacks you, it gets plus five, plus five, and gains trample until end of turn. Wait, what? <laughs> you're not living long. So, so all those 3-3 three, three beast creatures with death touch that you've been pumping out suddenly are going to become 8-8 eight, eight trample death touchers? That seems reasonable. <laughs> Seems fine, sure. And he starts with the loyalty of five. Oh. So why why not? Why give your opponent an emblem that says that instead of just you have an emblem that says whenever you whenever a creature you control attacks? What's, well, there what's are the few, difference? What's the there difference? There are a few functional differences. In a two-player game, the main functional difference is that this doesn't trigger when something attacks your planeswalkers. Uh, so if somebody attacks, if you have this emblem and somebody attacks your planeswalker, nothing happens. It doesn't get any kind of bonus. But also in a multiplayer game, this means that any of your allies can attack this, this guy and get uh, their, their creatures also get plus five, plus five in game trample. And because you don't control the emblem, it stays there if you die. Ooh. So, so I give the emblem to my opponent it's his even if i get killed he's still got this this nice little crunchy emblem that's going to mean that he doesn't win either right stay out of that stay out of that <laughs> sorry guys <laughs> 
Yep, and that's that's about it. So what's up next? That's you, Brian. Oh, sorry. I just I just got a, a, a text. <laughs> um, no, I got a, I got a text that says, uh, well, actually, I can't read that on the air. Okay. Um, the next card is that. Yeah, yeah. That, that kind of text while you're recording your chest. I see how it's, it is. No, it's actually hilarious and judge related, but it'll. Uh, it's, oh, if it's I read judge out, related. Ooh. Yes. If I read it out, if I read it out Vice loud, it'll kind of it'll kind of out the person that that sent me the message. Is it a um, equals equals D. Yes. Yes. Is that too That's risky exactly for judge cast? I don't know. It might be a little <laughs> too risky for judge cast. Um. <laughs> <laughs> wow, um, that's that that needs to be at least four equal signs. Oh, CJ, all right. generator um, servant, generator <laughs> servant for one and a red. It's a creature. It's a two-one creature elemental that has the ability tap, sacrifice uh, generator servant, add two mana to your mana pool. That ma- if that mana is spent on a creature spell, it gains haste until end of turn. So first thing to note is this is a mana ability, so uh, it cannot be responded to. So tap, sack your guy and you get the two mana right away um this does not have haste even though it's going to give creatures haste if you spend mana on it's just kind of weird um but so you can use the ability right away and the two colorless mana can actually be spent on two separate creatures so if you want to you know if you want to spend one of the colorless over here on this creature and one of this colorless over here on this creature both of them are going to have haste you could cast two more generator servants both with haste yes yeah now, now here's a question for you now if you look at the artwork behind generator servant doesn't it kind of look like that thing from aliens the space yeah. jockey win? Awesome. yeah space jockey nice yeah Sick reference bro <laughs> flavor most people don't remember that uh yeah yeah the did i just did i just it's also did, in Prometheus, I of my, did i just impress you with my knowledge of old movies yeah well i love alien all right and alien well okay thank you yes <laughs> uh so yeah it does look like that actually i was thinking the same thing all right, Heliod's Pilgrim. This one's boring. There's nothing much to say here. When Heliod's Pilgrim enters the battlefield, you may search your library for an aura card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. But Judge Gas, why are you even mentioning this? All I wanted to say about this is in in, art, in Mark Rosewater's article this week, take that, Jess, editing my show notes. In his article this week, he said that it worked with creatures with bestow. And I just wanted to hammer home that it does not work with creatures with bestow because creatures with hammer bestow. it home. Hammer it. Hammer it. Creatures with bestow are not auras, except possibly on the stack and the battlefield. But in your library, they are always just enchantment creatures. That's it. Right. That's it. Yep. All right. Get, get Buck Beak. Oh, Hushwing Griff. Go, go, Chase. So, Hushwing Griff, I'm really upset about this card's existence. Buck Beak. Um, well, here. This is a torpor orb on wings. It costs two and one white. It has flash and flying. It is a 2-1 creature that says creatures entering the battlefield don't cause abilities to trigger. This means two things, basically. First of all, if I have a creature that says when this enters the battlefield it does a thing it no longer does that thing and if i have something that says whenever a creature enters the battlefield it does a thing it also no longer does that thing uh that's about it so anytime a creature says when this enters the battlefield you're just you have a guy that's probably underpowered for its cost <laughs> right right and just to and just to be clear if something said whenever a permanent enters the battlefield and you played a creature the it still would not trigger if you have hushwing griff out like it, it doesn't care that it's looking specifically for creatures it's just saying if a creature's coming out nothing's triggering on that creature entering the battlefield all right yeah. all right brian <laughs> master of predicaments is three blue blue for a four four creature sphinx uh flying uh, whenever Master of Predicaments deals combat damage to a player, choose a card in your hand. That player guesses whether the card's converted mana cost is greater than four. It's like a little game. Yeah. If that creature guesses wrong, you may cast the card without paying its... What's that? You said if that creature guesses wrong. Oh, if that creature... <laughs> if that... It's a floral spell. Player, if that player guesses wrong, uh, you may cast the card without paying its mana cost. Okay. So, uh, before we get all those questions of, how do I choose a card? Does it stay in my hand or what? Um, here's, here's how you choose the card. So, you got a card, you got a handful of seven cards. Um, you take one card and hold it uh, apart from the other six, or maybe set it down on the table, 
or something else, you know. And that's really all it is to it. Yeah. It's it's not like a big. It's like, well, do I have to reveal it? Or well, maybe eventually. But right now, just indicate it, move it aside in your hand, fan it, stick it straight up higher than the other ones. Okay. Um. Now this uh this ability says if the player guessed wrong, you may cast the card without paying its mana cost. So if uh if it's a land card that you pick, um, you're not gonna be able to play it because this card only lets you cast things and casting you can only do with spells um whether or not you cast the spell is your choice uh you only choose to ca- uh if you choose to cast it uh that's when you reveal the card so if you don't want to cast it you don't have to reveal it you can just hold that card off to the side and when they say it's it's your chain veil and you look at it and you're just like well it is but i don't i don't have a planeswalker out yet so i don't want to get the i don't want to lose the two life just yet so i'm not going to reveal it and i'm just going to put it right back in my hand so you're not casting um if you're casting if you're casting say fireball or if the card that you selected was fireball so it has x in the cost uh x is going to be zero but if it's anything with an alternate cost uh you can pay that alternate cost no uh, sorry not alternate uh additional okay uh you can't pay sorry read that text wrong um you can't pay alternate costs but you can pay additional costs so if it's got kicker great kick it if it's uh strive uh, oh no strive is not additional cost but you could still pay it (laughs) if it's if it's an additional cost like one of the bringers from fifth dawn yeah sure Yeah, which I don't know really why you would, you know, or an additional co- or an alternate cost like you can have an opponent gain four life instead of the mana cost of the spell. Yeah. No overload. Okay. Yeah. Um. And so, let's see. So what I'm wondering, and I'm sure all our listeners are, is how does this card work with split cards? Everyone. Everyone wants to know how this works with split cards. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't. Next. Oh. Mike, 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 <laughs> no. Okay. So split cards. Um. If both the costs are greater than four, or both the costs are less than four, the opponent must uh, guess correctly. And those are the only two possible combinations that that you can have, right? Right. So right. the other question, the other question that goes with that is, what if one's less than four and one side's greater than four? And so uh, just to rewind just a second, here, and that's because when we look at a split card and we look at the characteristics, we get two sets of answers. We don't, you know, it's not like, oh, this is cost five and this cost six. So now the CMC is 11. No, we get five and six back. Yes. So if one half is greater than four and the other half isn't uh, and the opponent says, you know, uh, yes, it's greater than four. Yeah, it's greater than four yes you get the answer back of yes um and if they guess wrong you can cast either half or both halves if it has fuse so so in in the case where one half is greater than four and the other half is four or less uh greater than four is the only correct answer it is always correct um that's because what they're guessing is, is it greater than four? Uh, they're not guessing, is it greater than four or is it less than four? It's just, is it greater than four? Yes, no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and if one of the answers is yes, then the answer is yes. yes. Yeah, and uh, I went on a little side note last time, I guess I should this time. I think computer scientists have a hard time with that concept because in computer science, true and false is false. But in magic, yes and no is yes. And computer scientists just deal with it. Not all of magic works like a Java program. Or PLSQL. Or PLSQL or Pascal. Or uh, Python. Sure. I've been been working with CoffeeScript, which sounds like the most hipster crap. (laughs) CoffeeScript? Is that a real thing? Yeah, it is. That's what I said first time I heard about it. So what you're saying is CoffeeScript is for people who liked Java before it was cool? no, No, it's an evolution of JavaScript. And I'm just, I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed it exists. All right. Mike makes right. Because we can't have an FAQ show without talking about intervening extra triggers. There's two things. Oh, oh, I hate this webpage. Coffeescript.org. What is this? The little logo is so pretentious. <laughs> uh, there's two things that I can get you through most of, a, of an FAQ. One, if all of a spell's targets are illegal, it is countered. That comes up over and over and over again that we've stopped saying it. So if something says counter target spell, draw a card. And then the spell is countered by something else or other otherwise removed from the stack, your counter spell will be, tar- will be countered because its target was illegal, so you do not get to draw a card. And intervening ifs, which are worded uh, trigger condition, 
comma, if something, comma, effect. So might makes right. It's enchantment. At the beginning of your combat, I'm sorry, at the beginning of combat on your turn, if you control each creature on the battlefield with the greatest power, gain control of target creature and opponent controls until end of turn. Untap that creature, it gains haste until end of turn. So all this is saying is that if as long as you have either the creature with the greatest power or all of the creatures with the greatest power, you can't you can't be tied between you and your opponent, you will get to active trees in your opponent's creature. Uh, if you if you're paying attention, that was an intervening if there because it said pure condition at the beginning of your combat on your turn. If you control each creature, blah blah blah, something that happens, gain control of target creature and opponent controls. What that means then is if the condition is not true when this card would trigger, so for this one at the beginning of combat on your turn, it does nothing. It does not trigger at all. Uh, what that means is you can't act like, well, it's the beginning of combat on my turn. I'm going to pump this creature so that the if is true. No, nope, it's too late at that point. You have to pump the creature before the beginning of combat on your turn or the trigger will not trigger at all. What it also means is if the if condition is true, when the trigger starts to resolve, if the if condition is no longer true, the, uh, the entire triggered ability will be removed from the stack and none of it will happen. So say you have the largest creature out, this is on the stack, and someone kills your creature. Oh well, when it starts to resolve, you will not be able to, uh, to I forgot the word. So we'll use Ray of Command, your opponent's creature. So we've noticed that if we type in the Skype window, Jess and I type in the Skype window, uh, CJ cannot not read it. I actually didn't read any of it. Oh, all that stuttering and stammering was just you naturally? It's just stupid noises. I don't know. Alrighty then. I think you guys are doing a good job of guaranteeing this episode will not be as good as the last one. Jeez. Every joke hasn't been as good. I Distracting know. typing. Because we're forcing it. <laughs> we should have just burned this episode to the ground. Considered it. You guys don't deserve an FAQ episode. <laughs> if it had been any other topic, I would have been like, uh, we'll just do it again in a year. Like, forget it. Yeah. How, how bad do you feel, CJ? This is all your fault. A little bad. <laughs> This is this is going. I'm gonna tell your panel. Please. Like, <laughs> like it was even a, a historic episode. Yeah, it really was. Uh. <laughs> and and Brian rapped at the end. All right. I know you're not getting that. All right, Jess, tell us about Nissa. <sighs> All right, so in this uh, World Waker, which I love because it's a reference to World Wake, which is an awesome draft set, which is why boxes are like many hundred dollars right now. Oh, is that why? Oh, yeah, because it's one of the like the greatest single set draft formats of all time. Oh, sure. It has nothing to do with uh, that lottery ticket that might be in the boxes, the golden ticket. Foil Emrakul? Uh, you're confusing World Wake with Rise of Eldrazi. That's what I meant. Sorry. Yes, Rise of Eldrazi was the, gr- the best single okay. format draft set. World Wake was the set with the... Jace. Jace and the Stoneforge Mystics. Yes. And Cunning Spark Mage and Basilisk Color. All of which were good in standard. Um, and all the lands. and Like, there's actually really good stuff in World Wake. Anyway, so Nissa World Waker. Planeswalker Nissa cost five. Plus one. Target land becomes a 4 4 elemental creature with trample. It is still a land. Plus one. Untap up to four target forests. I guess they're also still lands. <laughs> Minus seven. Search your library for any number of basic land cards. Put them onto the battlefield. Then shuffle your library. Those lands become 4-4 elemental creatures with trample. They are, in fact, still lands. Also, none of these abilities say until end of turn. So your forests stay untapped until you tap them. Yeah. Untap your four up to four forests until end of turn. Uh, but the the point of that is that the, when they when it makes your lands 4-4 creatures, they stay creatures indefinitely. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't wear off. And they don't get haste. So if they enter the battlefield this turn, they can't tap for mana once they're a creature, and they can definitely not attack. Yeah, that's a big point with her ultimate. Your opponent gets an opportunity to Day of Judgment or whatever the equivalent will be. Well, that depends how many extra turns you got to take with that Rails Eric combo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They they can they can kick you in the eight equals 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 capital D. No. <laughs> that, yeah, there Too you risque. go. Too risque. Too risque. All right. Um. All right. Something that's not too risque is the profane memento which is either a feather or a skull it's which is it which is the memento is it the feather it's a skull or, it's, well, why is there a feather it's an angel's to... skull is it an angel's it's skull? right there in the flavor text oh it is right there in the <laughs> i don't read flavor text 
Uh, oh, an angel's skull is left too plain by death. I made a few aesthetic modifications. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, Profane Memento. It's an artifact for one colorless mana that says whenever a creature card is put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, you gain one life. So there's two things to note on this card. Uh, first off, it says whenever a creature card is put into an opponent's graveyard. So tokens aren't cards. No, not even pack rat. <laughs> Okay, tokens aren't cards. Say it with me. And cards aren't tokens. Um, so, uh, yes. Uh, the second Say, thing is... T- explain that to the dual text tokens. The what? what? Dual dex tokens that all have magic backs. Oh, from uh, from goblins versus elves? Or did they... Have they, they done do, that? They donated all of the dual decks. Oh. They're not... Tokens aren't cards. <laughs> it looks like a card to me! Still not. Tokens aren't cards. Tokens aren't cards. And no, 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 no. You cannot use your pack rat as a token for pack rat. Even if it's in different sleeves. Even if it has, even if it's in no sleeve. Even if it has even token if it's been, written on it. Even if it has token written on it. Or it's made to look like the, the rat from Rat Tattooey. Or the rat from the Muppets. Or that. No. <laughs> what about the rat from Willard? Um, no. Okay. And definitely not the rat from Charlotte's Web. All right. I hate that guy. I hate that guy. <laughs> I'm really disappointed that I've never seen a playset of of uh, those rats that were done up like the Rat Pack. Yeah. Oh, the 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 old uh, Las Vegas. Oh yeah, 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 way back in the day. Brian probably remembers that. <laughs> yes, I well, I, 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 I wasn't in Vegas at that time. I was elsewhere but yeah anyway okay so the second part of this is it says uh, the second part is put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere okay so this this means a few special things uh one is it's going to trigger off of milling it's going to trigger off of discarding it's going to trigger off of uh, the creature being put you know just regular old dying um now the next thing is from anywhere is a special type of trigger um it triggers from the graveyard normally it says when it, whenever a creature card is put into an opponent's graveyard okay that's leaves the battlefield and we look at the card as it existed on the on the on the battlefield okay but this says from anywhere and because it can do cards from the hand because it can do cards from the library uh it's actually triggers from the graveyard so if you have have one of those uh, a fancy like a Phyrexian metamorph that is copying a we'll say howling mine okay and that howling a mine a meta mine it gets bloated up um, so if a meta mine if a tree falls on a meta mine in the forest <laughs> then sorry, it's still the meta mime is still trapped in that box all right. Oh. <laughs> Jeez, this is not. This is not a. Um, so the meta mime is going to get blowed up by the disenchant. It goes to the graveyard. Uh, even though it was just a plain old artifact on the battlefield, when it hits the graveyard, it was a creature card. Okay. Um, conversely, if I have a animated land that dies and goes to the graveyard, uh, it is not a creature card in the graveyard. Even even though it was a creature on the battlefield and it died in the graveyard, it's just a land. Mutavault was the example we used last time. I still want to use Treetop Village. Knock stuff out. You just use Disenchant and Naturalize, so you can use whatever you want. Dude, we know that I stopped learning new cards <laughs> really? in 2002. <laughs> uh, you know, and the reason it's worded like this, it's not just to be confusing. It's so that it'll work with, like, milling. Yeah. Um, countered spells would, would be a way to do it. You know, things like that. Um, yep. All right, preeminent captain, the reprint that we'll talk about. Yeah, this is the only reprint that we have on the list, and I'm glad we have it on the list because this was a card from Morning Tide that is very fun. Yeah, and we didn't have a show in Morning Tide. I did not play Magic in Morning Tide. So, preeminent captain, first strike. Whenever preeminent captain attacks, you may put a soldier creature card from your hand onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. A couple things to mention with this. First, you get to choose what that soldier is attacking. It doesn't have to be attacking the same thing as the preeminent captain. Um, that applies so far as to say that if something is forcing the preeminent captain to attack something, so say Gideon is out and he says all creatures have to attack him, the captain is attacking Gideon, the soldier you put out does not have to attack Gideon. The other ability is say you, um, say you put out a, a Vermaz, that's a good, it's a good example, and I actually double check that he's a soldier this time, unlike last time. 
If you put out a Bramaz, Bramaz's little cat buddy trigger will not trigger. And that's because any trigger that reads whenever creature blah 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 attacks, what it means is in fact whenever this creature is declared as an attacker. So in my Bramaz example, Bramaz is not declared as an attacker. He's just put into play tapped and attacking. Through the same way you can do weird things. You could have like a, some kind of soldier wall. Um, I think there's an ally that's a soldier. You could put it into play tapped and attacking. Um, weird things. Anyway. Yeah, that's everything for that guy. All right, so next next up we have a card called Spectral Ward. I don't know what's going on in this art. It looks like a rainbow knight of some kind with a hubcap as a shield. Yes. Or something. Like I don't I don't know what's going on here. So And also looks um, like she's like flying. Like uh, maybe. Anyway. Um yeah, I don't know. But anyway, so the, this looks like this this person is trying to reflect a Care Bear stare with with a hubcap. That's what it looks like to me. Anyway, so it's an enchantment or a enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus two plus two and has protection from all colors. This effect doesn't remove auras. This does not remove existing auras, but it will prevent new auras from being placed on it unless it's Eldrazi Conscription, which does not have a color. That's because uh, one of the things in protection is it protects targeting. Right. It protects targeting, but also says it can't be enchanted by. Uh, right. So we, we were discussing this before, and, and if you're going to put an enchantment onto the battlefield in some other way, such as... Genesis Titan. Uh, right. <laughs> I was I was going to go with... Sun Titan. You know, Sun Titan and Deadweight <laughs> or... or, or uh, what is the one from so- Sovereigns of Lost Laura or whatever it is? Mm. Um, yeah. Anyway, if you're going to put it on in some other way that doesn't target, I'm pretty sure it still can't target Spectre Ward. Or not, uh, sorry, still can't enchant Spectre Ward. I would agree with that pretty sure statement. Of course, we'll release this tomorrow. Two hours later, there will be a post in the forum saying that that's not true. And then we will get 82 emails. 82. Eight. Is that the record? Is that the, the we actually, what we're shooting for? Honestly, now? we overreact. We only get like three or four emails about anything <laughs> ever. Well, hold on. No, the... Uh... Uh, the question about uh, that conspiracy dude, we got Facebooked and Twittered and emails. We like got Twittered? Least, we got Twittered at least 12. It was, it was this many. <laughs> it, was, it was, yeah, I can almost show you on my hands. All right. All right. Uh, so the next one is Yissin, the wandering bard, who has a harp that allows him to control uh, giant uh, centipedes, it looks like. He is, for two to green, he is a 2-3 legendary creature human rogue. Uh, for two and a green tap, put a verse counter on Yissin, the wandering bard. Okay, Yissin so is it a bomb bad legendary creature. What? Never mind. He did a Jar Jar reference. Is that a Jar Jar reference? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. I hate you. <laughs> you know, I have not, I have, my daughter is eight and she does not know that there are three other Star Wars movies <laughs> yet. I'm wondering there, there how are, there, there are only two. You really just like show her episodes two and three. That's all she needs to see. I've, I've showed her episodes four, five, and six. Right. No, no, no. Th- those are fine. But like two and three are also okay. It's kind of an aside of this is how he got there. One is completely unnecessary. Yes. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad we, we all agree. Right in. If you agree. <laughs> if you disagree, don't bother. Yeah. If you disagree, we really, we really would prefer you to delete this podcast and unsubscribe <laughs> from iTunes and just never, never judge again. <laughs> Your 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 judgment is. Hey, what about Yisan, huh? Yisan, he he wandered right past episode one. Um, so he has. So you have to pay two to green, tap, and put a verse counter on him. This is all part of the activation. Then search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to the number of verse counters on Yisan. Uh, put that onto the battlefield and shuffle your library. So the first time you activate him, he gets a counter on him. So you're going to be able to go search for your Lana War Elf or your Finhorn Elf or your Arbor Elf or something along those lines. Uh, or your, oh crap, I can't remember, Scuttling Horde. Is that what it is? The one green guy that gets bigger when you have a bunch of lands? Sure. Scoot yeah. Mob. Scoot, oh. Scoot Mob. There you go. Um, yeah. 
and then the second time you'll go to okay uh so the interesting question is well what happens if yisin gets killed in response to his ability so i activate yisin his abilities on the stack and then you murder him um then in that particular case because it because the ability is asking a question about the source of the ability it's asking a question about yisin and yisin is no longer on the battlefield we then use his last known information and you're going to go get a creature with however many counters were on him when he was lost on the battle if in response to activating his ability you do something that removes all counters from him um like what is, what's that what's that vampire that you can sack to, to remove all counters vampire hex, vampire hex mage yes then in that particular case he is still on the battlefield so you don't use last known information you use now information and he's got no counters on him now so you're gonna go get your memnite or your other memnite your ornithopter yeah 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 shield wall oh yeah or your uh ravaging hordes praxian walker um <laughs> yeah, any of the xx creatures any of the xx creatures yeah your uh walking wall uh, anyway jalira huh someone <laughs> added this and i guess i'll talk I about it yeah uh, Jalira, Master Polymorphous. She's Azorius for some reason, even though she's clearly either like Simic or maybe is it? Anyway, three and a blue. Two and a blue. Wait, how do you know she's Azorius? She has a tattoo. Tattoo on her shoulder. Flavor oh, I guy. See it. I see it. Okay. <laughs> oh, well, we had a big discussion about placing these guys. Like, Yisan is probably from uh, Chandelar. Jalira is from Ravnica. Because they're, they're probably each one from a uh, plane, just like the souls are. Anyway, Jalira. Two and a blue. Tap. Sacrifice another creature. Reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a non-legendary creature card. Put that card onto the battlefield and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So let's say you are uh, really into Kamigawa block and, and you have no non-legendary creatures left in your library. What happens? Yep, you're going to reveal your entire library. Then you're going to uh, put nothing onto the battlefield. And then you're going to put the rest of the cards on the bottom of your library in a random order. So you're going to randomize them. But technically, it's not shuffling. So if someone has a Kosi's Trickster out there, it's not going to count as shuffling to trigger her. Uh, but it's still going to be random cards in a random order. Is there anything else? You, you do still have to shuffle them. It just doesn't count as shuffling yes, in your library. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> You shuffle, but it's not really a shuffle. Yeah, you're just randomizing them. Same thing as Cascade. That amused me. All right, well, I'm glad. I'm glad we got to discuss that for the situation where that happens. All right. I say we're skipping emails still. Still? All right. Do I do them? All right. I mean, I, I archived one last time, so it's gone. You're the, you're the boss. Yeah, it's gone. Oh, oh it's already gone? Not. So we answered, we answered this person's question, and they're never going to know what the answer is? Well, they got the email response. Ah, that doesn't count, though, man. People want to hear their questions on the air, like John and his question of misery. Fine. In a three-player EDH game, this is from, uh, let's just say John, actually. I read his last name last time, but he did not specify that so let's just say john it says hello judge cast and judge cats i want to start by saying i'm a really big fan i have a few rules interactions if you are able to help me out one in a three-player edh game i had played a possibility storm knowledge pool hive mind player chaos and an eye of storm so uh, i'm wondering if i cast think twice from my no no, I am not, not answering that. that. Two, in a different EDH game with the same deck, I had played a Teferi's Puzzle Box and a Howling Mine. Uh, his question is going to be, so both of these have triggers, and both of the triggers are at the beginning of each player's draw step. His question is, who decides what order they go on the stack in? And how and how, how do they go on the stack if it's, say, the opponent's turn? Yeah, so so this is this is a good fundamental question, even, even though not necessarily the cards, but the, the question that he's asking is a good fundamental question for for l1s to 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 learn um so since you control or since player a controls uh uh both to fury's puzzle box and howling mine when they go on the stack uh uh Player A is going to get to determine which order they go on the stack in. Now, whether or not how other stuff goes on the stack around it depends on whether or not you are or are not the active player. Um, so the active player puts their stuff on the stack first, which you may or may not be, and the non-active player puts his stuff on the stack. So when it's on your turn, you put them on the stack first, then they put anything that they've got on the stack, and then when it's their turn, they put any of their stuff on the stack, and then you put yours on on top of it. Okay. Okay. The uh, yeah, the only thing I the thing I think is tricky about this is that it triggers at the beginning of each player's draw step, but even though it's triggering on your opponent's turn, it's still your effect. 
So yeah, and that happened. The trigger happens after you draw your card. Yeah, that's so true. So drawing drawing your card during your draw step is a turn based action. It happens first. It is not a trigger. You can't respond to it. None of that garbage. Okay, so it's draw your card, then you fart around with triggers. Yep, that's draw a card, fart around with triggers. That's how the game works. Yes, the, yep, the Judge Cast motto. All right, next question. I was wondering about state-based actions in relation to Tarmogoyf. My friend cast a lightning bolt targeting a 2-3 Tarmogoyf, and he says there were no instants in the graveyard prior to this. Would Tarmogoyf not die after the lightning bolt resolves because it would make it a 3-4, or how would that work? Uh, that's a very good question. So what happens here is that the lightning bolt deals damage to the Tarmogoyf, and then the lightning bolt goes to the graveyard. And then we check state-based actions and say, does this have as much damage as it has toughness? And the answer is no, because there is a lightning bolt in the graveyard, and its toughness is now four. Yeah, that's it. And it's final question, how do creatures with infect interact with planeswalkers uh, when they attack uh, a planeswalker? Yeah, okay, I, I'm going to answer this question with a question. Do you know what happens when a toad gets struck by lightning? Same thing as everything else. Same thing as everything else. <laughs> I don't have the enthusiasm for it anymore. I know. Because <laughs> at first I was like, I know that reference. It's an excellent reference. It's one of the worst lines in any movie it ever. It really is bad. Uh, all right. Yeah, that's the only email we'll be reading. Yeah, well, well, let's explain what we mean. So oh. when a creature with infect interacts with an attacking planeswalker. Wait, within it. Oh, with attacking planeswalker. So a creature with infect attacks a planeswalker. Yes. The planeswalker is not going to. Uh, uh, it's you're just. It's going to take damage. Yeah. Infect. So modifies damage, and uh, it only modifies oh, wait, damage oh, to creatures. He says, how does it interact with attacking planeswalkers? Yes, he means. Maybe he doesn't mean. Ah, so if a Gideon is attacked. What do you know? He he's asked, not even asking that. Don't answer a question he didn't ask. How, how do creatures with infect interact with attacking planeswalkers? How did it Gideon get attacked? No, Gideon is attacking. Okay, it's the same. So the point is, in fact, it will get both minus one, minus one counters. No, it would be prevented. No, it would just get minus one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it would be prevented. We would have to add in Skullcrack or something. Anyway, so that's why we're not to, even talking. Uh, you'd have to, like, make a Jason artifact and then, yeah. and then animate it. That. The point is, infect modifies how damage is dealt, and the only way that it modifies that damage is to creatures and to players. To creatures, it makes minus one, minus one counters. To players, it makes poison counters. The rules don't mention anything about planeswalkers, so everything's standard for planeswalkers. Works the same. All right. If you want to contact us, you can email us at judgecast.gmail.com. We will not lose your email in an episode and then never mention it again. In a ghost episode. In a ghost episode. In, in part A of a, of a B part episode. Yes. <laughs> the A side. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast. And visit our website to see all of this information I just said again at judgecast.com. All right, guys. Great follow-up. Maybe we should start uh, rehearsing all of our episodes. What do you think? Actually, uh, just, I think the first one was a little better. I think it was, it was too. Actually, isn't that better. funny? Uh, oh, well. That one's gone. Now we have this one. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to our A-grade product here that we're all so proud of. It's still a good episode, right? No? Yeah, yeah, it was okay. It's okay. All right. It was okay. It was better than, well, I'll say after we go off. Uh, <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll put this... We'll put this this, this puppy to rest. Uh, I was going to say this dog to sleep, and I was like, that's morbid, actually. Um, yeah, kind of is, man. Yeah, well, I meant not a sleep. sleep. Uh, anyway, anyway, my name's CJ Trey. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlman, and I keep it so that Judge Cast counts for at least one of your head judge requirements of two competitive REL events with a second certified judge for L2. I appreciate, Brian, that you actually did try to do the exact same jokes. I, I, I'm not even joking. I appreciate that you <laughs> you went for it. I did. Yeah, I was surprised. I liked it. Uh, well, I, I I mean, I tried to make them a little bit different. And like one of them was like, I remembered I made this joke, but I don't remember how I made it. So <laughs> I'm just going to cook in making potatoes. This is not, this is not <laughs> as good as uh, it was.